coast and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquentOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas. This is the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? Imagine a brand described thus, crafted, contemporary, cutting edge or perhaps cool, calm, and collected, or maybe green, polished, and pristine. These words are used to describe not a new Cadillac, uh, not some beautiful day spa, but instead they're used to describe the branches at Fourth Capital Bank up in Nashville, Tennessee, and we're going to be visiting with the president of the bank, Brian Heinrichs, after the break. From the moment I saw that cinematic, soaring, beautiful, you you fly over the skyline of Nashville when you visit the Fourth Capital website, I was hooked. It was back in the summer of 2020. I called and got a hold of Brian. He last appeared on the show in July of 2020, and well, a lot of things have transpired since that time, and so I thought it would be a great time to get him back on the air. You know, when I was, when we were first talking about doing this episode, I went out and looked at some of the uh, banking brands, the local community banking brands here in South Texas, and I looked at the words that they used to describe their brand, and it was, I mean, it was very bank stuff. You know, there are a lot of, you know, here in Texas, we're the friendly bank, we're the happy bank, we'll shake your hand. That's, that's, a, that's great. I've got nothing against that, but Again, that crafted, contemporary, and cutting edge. You know, right before the pandemic really hit, and we decided here as a family, it was time to get some new cars. And we decided, why not be nice not to have a car payment? Okay, so we went out and got two cars that, you know, just paid outright. There's no car payment. Well, one of those cars was purchased at a place called the Lexus Dominion Dealership up at the Dominion. It's this area up near northwest San Antonio. George Strait used to live there. He may still live there. I don't know. Uh, David Robinson lives there from the San Antonio Spurs, the Admiral. It's just one of those exclusive enclaves that I'm not going to – I don't think I've, I've never been on uh, in the Dominion. But the dealership, the Lexus dealership, it was like this, crafted, contemporary, cutting edge, these beautiful leather sofas and a cafe. And I mean, I didn't want to leave. I didn't mind waiting when I was there. So although it was too far to go to get the car serviced every time, because I live in New Braunfels and Northwest San Antonio is a long way from New Braunfels comparatively, I went up to the San Marcos Toyota dealership and wow. The linoleum floor, you know, and the and the terrible blaring CNN that's on a TV that nobody's watching, and this you know popcorn machine, and it looks like some of the popcorn in in there has been there since the Clinton administration. It's just it was very hard to go from that Dominion Lexus dealership to the other kinds of dealerships, and you will see that when you go visit. The the fourth capital website and i'm sure the distinction is absolutely palpable when you actually 
physically visit those spaces, their headquarters, and their branches. Well, last time we had Brian on the show, he told me that his favorite band of all time was Pearl Jam. And of course, I went out there and started downloading all kinds of Pearl Jam songs. At one point, I, I thought I was going to have to call Brian and try to get a home equity loan just to pay for all the Pearl Jam downloads. So we're going to talk to Brian, and we're going to do it all right after this. For over 11 years, conference quality information without the rubber chicken dinner, without the hangover, and without the expense report. This is the Power of Performance Podcast. All right. If you're familiar with the book of Exodus in the Bible, uh, you might think that there is an Egyptian pharaoh hiding out somewhere in Nashville. Because up in Nashville, in addition to COVID-19 and the time since Brian has taken the helm at the bank, there's been unprecedented winter storms, tornadoes, flooding, bombings, you name it, all during the first year or so of his time leading the bank. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly been eventful. I mean, there's a lot uh, happening in Nashville in general, just in terms of business growth. Um, obviously, it's a dynamic city, migration here from the coast and different things. But, yeah, all of those natural disasters and, and things that you spoke of certainly have made it uh, interesting. I think it's been, you know, in some ways, some of those things, uh, particularly COVID-19 and with PPP and some other things have created some opportunity. Uh, I also believe that, you know, from the standpoint of trying to be that true community bank and have those relationships with people, each one of those events is, is kind of a reason to come together. And I think yeah. it really shows, you know, the people that care and, you know, we're not a nameless, faceless, kind of out of market, you know, large you know, publicly traded company. So I think, you know, it, it, we're affected by it because it's in our community and, and we know our, uh, people that are directly impacted. And so whatever we can do to help, that's been part of our mantra here for the last, you know, couple of years. When we first had Brian on the show, he said something that's really stayed with me. I've quoted it a lot on the show and in talking to other people. He said, we, people, make banking complicated. Banking's really not that complicated. And I wanted to revisit that with him. Tell us about that. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I think, you know, as, as an industry, you can start with Wall Street and then it trickles down. There's, there's an inherent value in creating barriers to entry and making things seem more complicated than they are and sort of having this black box or veil over it because it's separating kind of that client, the commoner, if you will, from this bank or these people that happen to be experts and you need to pay us because we're so smart and you need to do all this stuff with it. And, you know, it's stripping all that back and getting rid of all of that, you know, I call it kind of that traditional nonsense and just being honest and transparent with people. You know, doing a loan is it's not really that hard. <laughs> Taking someone's deposits isn't really that hard. And, you know, my, I think we talked last time about my background in, as a derivatives trader. And, you know, institutions, particularly banks, I think have misused things like derivatives and, and they're complicated and 
they sell them to their clients and their clients have no idea what they're doing. And in the meantime, you know, every bank of, of a size has a capital markets desk that's making millions of dollars by having these complicated structures that their clients probably don't need and don't understand. And so I think part of what we're trying to do as, you know, like you said, we're, we're just a business that happens to be a bank. Let's get rid of all that. Let's sit down with people, look them in the eye face to face. What are their needs? How can we help them? How can we add value? And most of the time, for the vast majority of small and medium-sized businesses, the, the tools to use on that are very simple. You know, if, if you're going out to, you know, build something or construct a house or whatever, you know, sometimes you just need a hammer and a nail. You know, you don't, you don't need every new piece of technology out there or whatever to, to do simple things. And I think we overly complicate it because the more complicated it is and the more the, the client or the prospect feels like they don't understand, I think that the industry's taking advantage of that knowledge gap, um, you know, to make money. And I don't, I don't, that's certainly not our mantra and that's not what we're trying to do. What they are doing is creating this beautifully elegant, functional brand. I'm not exaggerating. This is not an exercise in hyperbole. When I visit the fourth capital website, I will, you will, for, you will forget that you're looking at a bank's website. And so what Brian and his team are building out there, it's more than just a banking brand. He wants Fourth Capital to be thought of as a lifestyle brand. It's very interesting. You know, it, it seems to be working well. Um, one of the biggest compliments we get is, or when, is when people visit us, and, and that's really our goal is, is, is to get in front of people, whether that's using our space, whether that's meeting them at their place of business or, or whatever. But if we can get them in our space, we win almost every time. And, you know, the biggest compliment we get is when someone walks through here and he's like, wow, this doesn't, you know, they say this doesn't look like a bank. And I'm like, that's exactly what we were going for. <laughs> you know, I mean, our, our kind of big goal, if you will, I, I want Fourth Capital to be thought of as a lifestyle brand more wow. so than a, than a financial institution. And I think that ties into what we're doing, the way we look and, and feel, um, you know, the events that we host and, and the people we're connecting with, it's not really about, it's definitely not about here's a laminated sheet of our products and services. <laughs> it's really about, you know, how do we form these relationships and of shared values and, and how do we add value to each other. And, you know, that, that's what it's about. And so using our space um, is a big part of that the way we talk, the way we present ourselves in social media and online, it's all connected, but that's kind of the, the, if we were to actually reach that level of being like the first bank that's a lifestyle brand, that, that's what we're kind of going for. And a lifestyle brand, it's a, it's a boutique brand. That doesn't mean it's small. When I say a boutique banking brand, I don't mean to suggest that it's small, but that lifestyle. You heard Brian talk about using their space for community events and the things that they do. Well, one of the most exciting things I've seen online all year of any brand is they had an IndyCar race 
in Nashville and Fourth Capital Bank because of their proximity to the to the racing track. They're you know racing through the streets of Nashville. They were able to craft a whole experience around this IndyCar race, and I wanted to talk to him about that as well. Yeah, I mean the, the IndyCar race was spectacular. I mean I think. Fortunately for us, we probably sit on one of the best pieces of real estate in the city. We're not right in the middle of downtown. We're actually right on the edge of it. So we have probably the best view. Um, it just so happens that the IndyCar event was 50 feet off of the edge of our building. So we've got, we had essentially panoramic views of the entire circuit. It was the largest event in the in the city last year. I think, you know, you're talking uh, six figures plus worth of people converging for that weekend. Wow. And considering COVID and everything else, I mean that that's huge. So you know, it's it's interesting to be the Nashville bank that we're trying to position ourselves with the idea of decidedly local. So to have the biggest event in Nashville in a given year be right right in our backyard was, I mean, it couldn't, couldn't have a better gift than that. So really, how do we take advantage of that? We did a couple interesting things. So we've got a, a cafe in our space that we built. Really, it's, you know, break room doesn't do it justice. It seats about 40 people. It looks like a restaurant. It has the best view of, of Nashville. And we did that uh, when we intentionally, when we built out the space, because we wanted to really honor our employees and give them a great place to work. But, um, you know, the Saturday night before the race, we were able to transform that into essentially a restaurant with two tables. Um, the winemaker of Lawrence uh, Wine Estate, so Galen Lawrence, who owns the bank, his winemaker came out, presented some special wines. We had a dinner with about 40 or so people. So that was the night before. Uh, one of the driver's fathers happens to be a friend of mine, so he came out and told us all about the cars and kind of a behind-the-scenes peek uh, at, the, at the race. And then the next day, we hosted somewhere between 250 and 300 people in our space, wow. and everyone was just blown away at the spectacle of the race and just the activity and literally the best views you could ever get. Uh, I would say it's as close. This is a leap for Formula One fans because they would say, you know, IndyCar and Formula One are not the same, which is true. But it's as close as you're going to get to like a Monaco experience. Almost felt like you're standing on a yacht watching yeah. cars go through a <laughs> uh, through the through the city. So yeah, it was a lot of fun, and you know, we intend to make that an, an annual occurrence, but it's just all about connecting with people. You know, we weren't handing out brochures. We weren't trying to sign people up for accounts that day, and, and it was just a special event, and, and uh, you know, it just shows our, the part we play in the community, and, and we're fortunate to be right, right where the circuit was. 
We last had Brian on the show in July of 2020. When we reconnected on the phone to talk about doing this episode, I told him, you know, you sound different. You sound more seasoned, more confident, maybe because of, not in spite of, the numerous challenges that people have faced up there in Nashville. So I wanted to ask him, you know, what have you learned over this tumultuous year, and what is your advice to young people in banking who someday want to sit in the president's chair? I think about over the last year, and you know, I don't know if if, if I sound more confident, I'll, I'll take your word on that. I, I do. I feel like we're we have more of our footing. Mm-hmm. So you know, you go back to July of 20, you know, uh, even outside the pandemic, we, that's the that's right when we changed our name to Fourth Capital. That's right. the same month that we moved downtown, and so we really over the last. 15 months or so, we've carved out our new identity and who we are, and, and people understand what Fourth Capital is about and what we're trying to do. And we've added, you know, s- some significant talent to our team, and we've started to really see the the progress in the numbers and and of clients and the and the things that we've, we've been able to accomplish. So I think there's a momentum around, you know, you you kind of go from that. St- true startup, and I think now, obviously, we're still kind of a startup, and I hope we always think like a startup, but now it's paying dividends, and we're starting to be able to see that what was really a grand experiment is actually working, and so, you know, it's building on that, I think, is probably where that confidence uh, maybe comes from. You know, we've got a lot of work to do. We're still working hard on a lot of things. You know, as far as young people go, I mean, I think it, it comes down to a few things. You know, I think focusing on how do you add, how do I add value as an individual? I think a lot of young people come out and say, well, how, how do I get a bigger salary or how do I get a bigger <laughs> bonus or whatever? And, and I think if you have that sort of salary bonus mindset, it, it, it makes you short-sighted because it makes you think in terms of tasks. You know, and most incentive programs are do these five things, you get paid, or hit this number, you get paid. And so everybody kind of comes out geared toward, I'm just going to do these specific things, and it's about pay. And I I think if you strip all that back, I think the truly successful people, if you will, are people that say, I'm going to go figure out how to add value. And I'm going to ultimately going to be rewarded because if people see that, that I can add value as a young person, I'm going to get more opportunities. I'm going to get on the bigger deals. I'm going to get brought into the room. You know, those sorts of, of things um, I think is a big part of it. You know, the other thing I would tell people, and we see this every day, and I, I, we have these Thursday morning culture meetings once a week, and we t- I talk t- uh, about some things like this and give quotes and, and whatnot, but I think one of the biggest keys probably now more than ever, be willing to do things that other people aren't. Mm. And, and that's, as an individual side, I think it's huge. Who's the person willing to go the extra mile? Who's the one that raises their hand and says, I'll help on that project? You know, whatever that case may be, being that person that's willing to do something that maybe other people aren't willing to do. Sometimes that might be putting in a little extra time. Whatever the case may be, depending on the the, the situation, 
I think that goes a long way. And I think that also speaks organizationally. You know, what organizations are out there that are maybe willing to do things that others aren't? Or, or in a banking context, you know, who's willing to maybe structure something a little bit different or think of the credit risk in a little bit different way? So I, I really think carving out a little bit of your own lane, either as an individual or as an organization, and being willing and able to do things that maybe other people aren't, that's where you, that's where you get your edge. Well, it's very good for everybody in Nashville and at Fourth Capital Bank that Brian found his way to a career in banking. But I wanted to ask him before we let him go, had it not been banking, was there another career path that you considered when you were growing up? You know, my whole childhood, I actually wanted to be in the FBI. My dad was in law enforcement. And in fact, they used one of my high school friends called me FBI Hines because of my last name. And that was my nickname. But, you know, I, uh, I guess maybe that's probably what I would say, just the idea of kind of that detective mindset, problem solving, figuring stuff out um, is sort of part of my DNA, I guess. And the idea of kind of right and wrong and justice and all that sort of stuff. So if if I had done something else, that would probably be it. But, you know, I think I I end up in a pretty good path, certainly one that's better from a family perspective and and those kinds of things. Of course, yes, absolutely. Speaking of family, I've got a great picture of Brian and his family there in the episode description. And you can see, you know, I've enjoyed watching as Generation X has ascended to some of these leadership positions in banking. Brian and I, being from Generation X, you know, we've lived in both worlds, the 20th century and the 21st century. You know, 20th century B.C. and 21st century A.C., before computers and after computers. And I think there's there's a value in having that perspective in this business especially. And as ever, I thank Brian so very kindly for taking some time out of his day to join us on the Power Performance Podcast. Thank you, Jason. Always enjoy it. Uh, Always a great job, right? Come on. And speaking of Brian's dad, I've I've since learned that he went to basic training at Fort Ord, California in 1967, the year I was born. I'm doing a limited run podcast series called Light Fighters, the last foot soldiers of the Cold War, about my time in the light infantry division out at Fort Ord, California. But yes, it was actually used for basic training a long, long time ago. And so uh, Brian's dad certainly knows what I mean when I say I enjoyed my time on the planet. I'm not sure how people... How much people enjoyed it if they were there for basic training. I was there for my my first tour of duty in the United States Army, but it is it is a small world. Now, Fort Ord's not there anymore. It's since been converted into a university, but uh, people that were out there have a lot of fond memories of a very, very beautiful place, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, provided you get off of Fort Ord. Otherwise, it's just this creepy, foggy place between Monterey, California and Santa Cruz, California. But get five minutes out the gate, and it's beautiful, sunny California. Well, last time we had Brian on the show, uh, when I asked that final question about, hey, what do you do when you're not at the bank? He mentioned that his entire family is really into community theater and musical theater. And of course, since it's a show about performance, it piqued my curiosity. And we ended up having his daughter, Grace, on the show a couple weeks later. 
turned out to be the most listened to episode in the 11 plus year history of the show. So who knows what's going to happen next. What you should do next is go visit the Fourth Capital Bank website and ask yourself, are we going to win when we get people into our space. I don't worry about little fintechs and these Bitcoin startup funded banks that don't have branches. No, my friends, banking has and will always be about relationships and sitting down with people and listening to people's aspirations and helping them fulfill their financial and business dreams. And when you do it in a setting that they've created over at Fourth Capital Bank, up at Fourth Capital Bank, you heard Brian say, we get you into our space, we're going to win almost every time. Take a look at their space. Take a look at the pictures and ask yourself, would we want to compete with these guys? Whatever you have now can always be improved. COVID-19 changed a lot of things. That's undeniable. But one thing that did not change is the absolute all-encompassing power of locality. You, locality trumps diversity. Locality trumps technology. Most people that interact with your brand live within 10 to 15 miles of it, whether it's the bank or the grocery store, the dry cleaner, gas station, whatever it may be. When you can find that local edge and create this lovely boutique banking brand, and when I say boutique, I don't mean small. I'm talking about this sense of selectiveness and even elegance and luxury, no problem with that in banking. It might not be for everybody, but it is working for Brian and his team up at Fourth Capital Bank. Well, listen, as we get out of here, um, I'm sure the Heinrich kids are probably sick and tired of all the Pearl Jam that their dad blasts in the car, so we'll get out of here with something else because I've got this idea in the back of my head for something called Bank the musical, something we could do at some of these big banking conferences, and this song is a big part of it. And a great generational lesson back in the late 70s where the 1950s sort of came back into popular culture with the great movie Grease with John Travolta and my first childhood sweetheart. You know, some of you liked in the movies or on TV uh, when Olivia Newton-John from Down Under. And so we'll get out of here with that Thank you so much for listening to the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? Until next week's speak, we'll talk to you all next week. Take care. And I'm